0: You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, sex and relationship advice you can use tonight.
1: Hey, hey, Jess O'Reilly here, your friendly neighborhood sexologist. And I'm here with author and content creator Tova Lee. Hello. Hello. It's so nice to be here. So you are London based. You're on a tour. You are all over North America <laughs> and beyond. And I came to the end of your show last night. It's sold out. There's not a seat in the house.
0: Aww, it was so much fun. Last night was New York. It's part of a worldwide tour and promoting my book, uh, Fucked at 40. I can say Fucked at 40 on your podcast. That's like so refreshing because most places are now making me call it F'd at 40, which is a bit annoying.
1: F'd at 40. You know, yeah. it's, it's so funny the censorship. When I first started in this field, morning television, they wouldn't even call me a sexologist. No. They'd call call me an intimacy expert.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. And That's I'm like, intimacy? I don't
1: know shit about that. I just know about sex, right? <laughs> well, and it's so funny to conflate the two. Now, you you talk about sex all the time. Yeah.
0: I mean, I talk more, I guess, about sexuality, really, from a woman's perspective, something that I feel like not a lot of people tend to think about because from my own experience I'm not obviously an expert at all but I talk from my own experience I have felt throughout my life that my sexuality as a woman has always kind of like been viewed from a male point of view and I think uh, that's true for a lot of women so that's something that's really interesting to me it was a sort of a revelation I had probably in my 40s where I kind of went oh hang on a minute my sexuality exists so it it took (laughs) till age 40 yeah totally
1: yeah Yeah. So what does that mean? Fucked at 40? Uh,
0: Yeah. So people ask me, they go like, what is it? Fucked at 40. Is it bad? Um, I had a fuck it moment. Oh God, we're saying fuck a lot, right? (laughs) The first five minutes of the show. Um, I had a fuck it moment when I turned actually 42 and sort of just went, Oh my God, life is short. What am I waiting for? I'm a mom. I have three amazing daughters, and I had three kids in the space of two years. So I know because I have twins.
1: I was like, (laughs) "How does that work?" That is a magic uterus. (laughs) I
0: know. Um, So my one, I had a one year old, and then I got pregnant and had twins. And um, I feel like, I mean, again, motherhood is amazing, and I'm so blessed. But I felt like a lot of things. Parts of me got lost. And one of the main things was sexuality, that sexiness, the drive for sex, you know, just that whole part of me, you know, just completely shut off. It shut down. Um, And yeah, so 42 fuck it moment kind of decided I'm going to go out and kind of rediscover myself and find those bits that I had lost. One of them being sexuality. So I sort of, I did a lot of things to try and regain that. Um,
1: <laughs> so what, what did you do? How did you rediscover at 42 ish?
0: So in terms of sexuality, for me, it was first of all moving. Cause I felt like, you know, my, I just wasn't moving and it wasn't about fitness. It wasn't about getting thin or losing weight or, or anything like the, being, even necessarily being active. It was actually about moving like certain parts of my body that I just felt like I wasn't feeling, you know, like, and I took up, this will make you laugh, pole dancing, because I wanted to feel that kind of inner fierceness, you know, and what's funny about pole dancing, now it's becoming a bit more mainstream, right, but people kind of think, ooh, it's like a stripper thing or whatever, or it's for men, like for the benefit of men. But actually, I went to these amazing classes with all women at all ages, which is what's most incredible. Some of them like 20 year olds, Victoria's secret models that I honestly thought I would be so embarrassed to stand next to. And some of them older and moms and different body types. And it was such an empowering, um, place to be, you know, because women were there for themselves, you know, making a show for themselves in their amazing outfits. And I started off in these like, you know, big sort of you know, big outfits and, you know, and I'm like hiding my bits and bobs and it ended up like in my knickers, you know, in a bra, not even caring, you know, and it was awesome. I mean, the day I managed to hump the floor
1: <laughs> and body
0: roll <laughs> was a happy day. It was a happy day because I, I couldn't do it. And I know it sounds really stupid, right? But I couldn't do it. And it was, So liberating, you know, to actually not worry so much about what I was looking like, but more like how I was working my body and how I was moving it. And it really helped me in many, many ways. But I did other things. Um, I just I
1: just want to shout out to the strippers out there too yeah. because I think yeah yeah it, because the, you know they're the folks who have paved the way for us totally and, and I think that it often becomes dichotomized as like oh pole dancing is empowering but stripping is not and stripping also totally can be so empowering I always think of sex workers who are like why do you judge me for for getting no. paid for something you do for free and I think it's important to just really totally. underscore that like if you're doing this for you good for you if you're doing it for your partner and you love it good for you if you're doing this for cash go get that cash.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. I love it. And so you,
1: you did this, the pole dancing, what else? What else was part of your... So nudity redisco- was
0: another thing, again, like after parenting, uh, for me, there was a lot, obviously for a lot of women, but a lot of changes. So I had two C-sections that, you know, left me with a scar and uh, something I never knew was possible. Uh, anybody who's had a C-section might relate to this, but it's called a C-section shelf. I don't know if you've heard of it. That's where I keep my wine glasses. Exactly. It's like this massive doubt nobody tells you about so there's a lot of changes in your body um, that happen and I had a real issue with nudity because of that I didn't like being nude I didn't like being naked now that will affect your sex life it'll affect intimacy with your partner because if you don't like what you look like when you're naked and you don't want to show your partner what you look like when you're naked that will have an effect on your relationship so for us it did and I really wanted to tackle that. I wanted to really kind of embrace my body and be able to feel comfortable even in the most vulnerable state of it, which would be naked. Um, So I went to a nude spa. (laughs) I did like a whole day in a mixed nude spa with a friend. Uh, Is that in London? No, I went all the way to Brighton to go to the spa. Yeah, which we had heard about. And do you know what? We walked in. They had like these changing areas. And even in the changing area, there are no cubicles like you just stand there in the middle of the room men and women and you just strip and of course like to begin with I was like oh god this is awful and would you you know and you're you're so like it's such a it's such a weird experience if you're not you know if you're not comfortable in that but by the end of the day it was amazing you know you sort of like you suddenly realize, again, it's not about the body. It's about how we're all exactly the same. Not just in how we look, but in how we feel. You know, everybody has similar insecurities. Everybody has the same kind of inhibitions and... By the end of the day, I felt so liberated. You know, I actually got out of that experience something that I hadn't expected. I had expected to go in and maybe hopefully come out with sort of like a bit more confidence in my own skin, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But what I found was how many masks we wear and how clothes... Um, actually, shield us and hide us. So, even if you're wearing a tiny little bikini, you're still wearing a tiny little bikini. There's still some sort of, of shield, some cover. Whereas in the nude, there's nothing. You're so vulnerable. You're so open. You're just you. There's no filter. There's nothing. And by the end of the day, when I was walking on the tube back into real life, right, it felt like the matrix because I felt like, why are we all dressed? Like, why can't we just hug each other? (laughs) Like, Why can't we just all be united? You know, that was massive for me. That really made a massive difference.
1: Nudity is such an equalizer too, because Mm. our, our clothes are also about status. And I hate the fashion industry for, I don't hate everything about it, but I hate it for the way it tells us you must dress for your body. Dear God. Like I, I'll never forget. And I may have told the story before that a stylist was at an event I was at and she was telling me, Uh, You know, I really liked my outfit. I was wearing jeans and just a tight uh, pink sweater, very tight, because that's the the way I roll. And she was saying that, oh, but if you wore this, this would minimize your shoulders. And I'm like, but why do I want to minimize my shoulders to fit it? Like my shoulders are strong. I'm not a, you know, super strong person, but this is, you know, we have broad shoulders in my family, broad for the little person I am. And I remember thinking, why? Why do I have to minimize my shoulders so that I can look more like you and you can look more like me? Do we all want to be clones of one another? And getting naked not only changes the way you feel about your body, but I find it really changes the way you feel about other people's bodies. You start to see more people as human. Uh, I'm not suggesting that nudity is sexual, but if you do spend time in an area where people are naked, you start to see beauty in so many different things right you let go of the cultural prescriptions of that is beautiful that is not and you start to just see people differently and and I think about you know imagine when you're hiding your body from your partner they feel it they see it yeah Uh, it limits you in what you can do you don't want to do certain positions you don't want to do it in certain places you don't want to do it in certain lighting and all of those limits all of those stressors take away from the sex appeal, but also when you feel badly about your body, we have evidence that it's contagious. Mm. So your partner starts to feel badly about their body. Oh wow. Yeah, so like if I'm judging myself, it sends you the message that I'm judging you, right? So if I start complaining about my thighs right now, for example, which I wouldn't, cause I like them. <laughs> and I love saying that, like I love talking about how I love mm. my body. This body performs for me. Yeah. Look at these heels. I'm in like these five, six inch heels. I'm so lucky. I can walk in those, right? And I can climb. I could go to the batting cages in these things. It's been done. (laughs) But if I start complaining about my thighs, it makes you self-conscious about your thighs. Yeah. And it works among all genders. Totally. So it affects your own self-esteem and self-worth and sexual self-esteem, but it affects your partners, Mm. right? Like we're pulling each other down when life, as you said, I like the fuck it moment because life is short. I want to live till I'm 108, but I don't know if I will, right? I don't have a minute to waste hating my body. So I love this. I love that you spent time naked. What a great place to go, a nude spa. And I know Mm -hmm. they exist, you know, a lot of the Korean spas. uh, They exist all over the world. So you got pole dancing, you got nudity. Any other tips for people on how to really rediscover yourself? I mean, after that, and this was a
0: long process, obviously,
1: because it doesn't happen
0: overnight, you know. But what you said really resonates, because for me, it was also that. It was the psychology behind the idea of actually appreciating my body for what it does for me and I think a lot of times we're under a lot of pressure people say "Uh, learn to love your body love your body and that's a lot of pressure to love your body like why do I have to love my nose and why do I have to love my finger like Mm -hmm. it's you know so it was shifting the thought to actually appreciating what my body was doing for me rather than standing in front of a mirror and going, I love my stomach, you know? <laughs>
1: I just this is so funny. you know what I mean? Like, uh, A friend was telling me he wants a therapist to help him with self-esteem. And he said, but I don't want to stand in a frick- in front of a freaking mirror and say, you are beautiful, you are beautiful. And he's like, I want to just become more neutral. Yeah. Like body neutrality as yeah. opposed to body positivity. Yeah. You do what works for it's you. It's a lot of
0: pressure. Yeah, You know, it's a lot of pressure. Even though I love my body.
1: Yeah. <laughs> But it's like you love it for what it does. I do. And I also like, I really do like the way it looks. And I think maybe that sounds conceited. No, no. But I really, um, yeah, I really, really like the way it looks. It's funny because I did reach that
0: eventually, you know, like even because I went to a plastic surgeon at some point and discussed the C-section shelf. (laughs) The uh, yeah. And his advice was, you know, you could get rid of it. But through surgery was a tummy tuck. And I had been through two C-sections that were very traumatic on my body. And I just felt, you know what? I actually don't want to put my body through that trauma again. And again, for anybody who has done it, that's awesome if it worked for you. But for me, in my experience, it just wasn't, it didn't feel right. And I have come to not just accept the C-section, but actually I like it, you know? And it took me a while, by the way. I used to never tuck my tops in, you know, in my, in my, like in a jeans. I'd wear jeans and like I wouldn't tuck the top in because, you would see like the, you know, the the area that's like, it's never flat. You know what I mean? And that really bugged me. So that was another thing I did. I thought, you know what? I'm going to tuck my top in today. Just... To see how I, and I'm just gonna let it in the whole day and see if I survive. And I got so many compliments that day. I think a lot of the times we're so harsh on ourselves as well. You know, we see ourselves, so we're so, you know, you're like a micro spot looking at yourself. And other people were like saying, Oh my God, you look so great. It's like when you wear a lipstick and you think red doesn't suit me. <laughs> and then you try the red lipstick, and everybody's like, Oh, what have you done? Have you done something? It was that. So that was a great thing as well. And that changed for me going out and buying new clothes. You talked about fashion I so relate to that for years I was told wear that or this type of clothes because it's good for your body and it really limited my options you'd go into a shop and you would see all these great things but immediately I'd say well that's not for me because it's not for my body type so I would go to things that for my body type. I'm so bored of it um, and then I have a friend she's so into fashion she's amazing and I said to her can we just go shopping and could you pick out stuff for me? Just whatever you pick, I'm going to try on. And she picked stuff that I would have never chosen for myself. And like 50% of them I didn't like, but a lot of them I did. And that was a massive shift for me, like in terms of fashion and what I was allowing myself to wear and, you know, stuff like that. I also did a nude photo shoot by the way. Yeah. Uh, So that was after the nude spa. Um, And this was not a challenge. This was a celebration. So at that point, I had reached the stage where I was like, right, let's just now have fun. Let's flaunt it. I want to have something to keep. Forever, you know, and I did a really nice photo shoot. A, a couple of friends came with me, and uh, there was a photographer, a lady photographer, who's lovely. And there was like three sections. One was like with a with a T shirt, and then there was like just you know underwear, and then there was nude. And it was just so lovely, you know. It was just really it was a celebration, you know. As, yeah.
1: So you talk about the body image work. What about the motherhood piece? Do you str- did you struggle with that Madonna whore dichotomy? Told did it. you how do you overcome the notion that I can be both a mother and a sexual being? Oh my
0: god, this is a massive part by the way in my book. Um because you are so right. I felt for my entire life that I needed to choose. And I think Maybe for men as well, but again, talking from a perspective, from a female perspective, uh, from a women's perspective, for me, I've always felt like people will tell you, what are you? So are you a businesswoman? Are you a mother? are you, uh, you know, are you a slut? Are you a, you know, that type of like choose what you are. And it took me a long time to realize that actually, yes, I could be all those things. And it was such a small difference that I, a change that I did, which was change the word instead of saying, or I started saying, and so I would go, yeah, I'm a mom and a businesswoman, And you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I like sex. And, you know, sometimes, you know, and sometimes I'm prudish and sometimes, I, and also who said you can't contradict yourself? that notion of just not having contradictions is so insane to me. We're dynamic. You change. You can wake up tomorrow morning and feel different. So what? Like, I don't get it. Um, And I think that the moment I allowed myself to accept the fact that I have inner contradictions and they can live together, it was just so liberating. I was like, nah,
1: it's your problem that you can't see that I can be more than one thing. I think that's such an important point for everyone, not just parents, but when we think of ourselves sexually, we are so dynamic. And I always say this, what I'm into on a Tuesday night may not be what I'm into on a Saturday morning. And I notice this with pushing my boundaries with the edginess of the sex we have. Like some days I want to talk so raunchy and I'm so into the notion of like group sex or multiple partners or something a little bit violent or being degraded and other days that would bring me to tears. And so I personally, and this is not for everyone, I associate it number one with my cycle. And number two, with what's going on in my life. So if I had like a kind of a rough day, if I'm dealing with some comments online that don't feel good, I don't generally want to play with those subversive feelings, even in the context of this really loving, respectful sexual relationship with Brandon, who is, I'm certain disappointed he's missing you. But other days, it's the hottest thing ever. And so I don't have to explain that. I don't even have to understand it. I just have to be able to say, this is what I'm cool with right now, or here are my boundaries right now. And so I love the notion of you're allowed to contradict yourself. You're allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to, and this may not happen to you, but sometimes even in the middle of sex, I'm so into something. And then all of a sudden, it becomes a turnoff. And I can like lose the moment and I could sit here analyzing like, what's wrong with me? Why did I lose interest? You know, why did I dry up in, you know, not in a literal sense, but why did I clam up? But it doesn't matter why. Because I'm, I'm really just focused on pleasure, connection, experience. I don't need to explain it. Like we don't always have to go to the root of things because it's not always explainable, right? It might be a smell. It might be a word someone said. It might be something that popped into my mind subconsciously. And so I think this is so relevant to parents and non-parents alike because it is I am this and I'm this, or it could be I am this now and I am that later. Totally, yeah. And, And we're so afraid because sex is so shrouded in secrecy and we don't really talk to people about it. We're all afraid that we're messed up. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the the number one question I get is, here's my story. Am I normal? Not in so many words, but <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. people want to know. Like, yeah. is something broken about yeah. me? And okay. In some cases there are feelings you need to work through. In some cases there's trauma you need to work through. But oftentimes our desires just are unexplainable yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. No, totally. I get that.
0: I mean, I like, that's one of the reasons why, I mean, again, like this, sex sexuality is not my uh, line of expertise at all but it is cuz you have your own expertise yeah just yeah but i feel like what i like to do is just just come out and say things that are very personal and not talked about and And then what I have found is that it's overwhelming how people hide those things, how we are exactly what you said, consumed with shame and guilt and these really very painful feelings only because we think it's just us. Something's wrong with us. We're alone. Nobody else feels that way. We're not normal, you know, in that kind of way. And it it started from parenting for me when I was, uh, you know, when I was like the kids were still young and I really struggled as a mom. And again I thought it was just me because everybody else looked perfect, you know? <laughs> and then you start talking about it and you suddenly hear more and more women saying this is me. This can I say that? Was I didn't know I was allowed to say that, you know? Like and I went, "What? Oh my god, there's other people like me." And then it evolved and you know, my kids are now a little bit older, you know, they still bug me sometimes, but we're actually at the sweet spot. They're great. So I've I've shifted A lot of what I'm talking about, and again, with the 40s and this midlife crisis thing and all that, it really started to be more about women and more about sexuality and more about body image and other things. And again, I'm always so surprised by the fact that people will say, oh my God, like, yeah. So one of the things, by the way, that we've talked about in the book was the whole concept of monogamy. And I don't know if you, if you had had a chance to see that, but, um. I question a lot of things in my life, one of them being the notion of monogamy and, you know, being with just one partner. Um, And I am in a very loving, supportive, could not have had a better relationship. Honestly, I don't even understand how (laughs) I (laughs) <laughs> to serve like my husband. You sound so like wonderful. Me. You sound like He's amazing. Like <laughs> he honestly, and I've been married before. So I feel like I'm so happy by the way that I was married before and I wish my ex-husband nothing but the best. We were wrong for each other, right? At the time, it's nothing about him. But you know when you have to go through something not good, like not right for you to find the thing that's just so right for you? And I don't think I would have known in my 20s that Mike was right for me. Do you know what I mean? Like I needed to go through that relationship to Get to my thirties, meet Mike, and realize that he was so right for me. And in the ten years that we've been together, that that has just—I mean, honestly, it's like it's—it becomes stronger and stronger with years. But we've had our we've had our like bad years as well. You know, when the kids were young, it was really hard, and and all of that. Because they're boner killers.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, honestly, they're walking boner
0: killers. Totally. Like it was very very difficult. And a lot of couples talk to me, like write people write to me about that as well like, you know, about the sex and what happens and, you know, and... And feeling
1: guilty. It does feel... I hate that. Because I always get women saying like, oh, my husband's such a great... I'm going to talk in a hetero sense because these are the ones emailing me about this specifically. My husband's so great. He's a great father. He's so supportive. Mm. I feel so bad because I'm six months, eight months, 12 months, 18 months postpartum, and I'm just not in the mood for sex. And I know that he needs it. And I'm like, can we please flip this script? I'm sure he's a great guy. However, where's your pleasure, right? is sex good for you? Because if it's feeling like a chore, I wonder if this wonderful person who may be wonderful is really giving you what you need. And do you even know what you need? Because it's not on him Oh, I love or you her. so much. Yeah. I tell <laughs> people, I'm like, you want to change your life? Tell your partner to go down on you. Tell your partner to get a toy. If you're not in the mood for sex, people are like, how do I get in the mood? I'm like, I don't know. Tell them to get a vibrator, work you for three minutes and you'll get back to them and see if you're in the mood. Yeah. Right. It doesn't just happen. After yes. you've put the kids to bed, after you've talked yeah. to your mother-in-law, like, spontaneous sexual desire is not realistic for most of us. And, you know, I, I always think of this, you know, old, uh, more of an acquaintance of mine, and they had a nice relationship, both very high-powered jobs, and she'd walk in the door and say, you know, I had a bad day. I just need you to shut the fuck up and go down on me. And he was into this, too. She wasn't being demeaning. This was kind of a consensual arrangement, and then that would get them both in the mood you don't think, they're not walking in the door wanting to jump each other. Mm. Not after 15 years of marriage and three kids, I think they had three or four kids later. So we have to work at it. And I've been, I was saying to, to Emma last night, Emma, by the way, is from Killing Kittens, and they mm-hmm. throw these very high end sex parties all around the world. And so I'm here in New York for one of their events. But I was saying to Emma that I love my job. So I love my work. I love my business. My partner, Brandon, also loves his work. And so we often talk about the fact that relationships and sex require work. Yeah. And people don't like that. And I realize that. We really should be using the word effort because I love my work, but a lot of people hate their work. That's my privilege Mm. to love my work. Like I hate this nonsense of like do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I'm like, okay, not everybody has that choice. Some people, you know, we're, we're sitting here in a hotel. Some people are, are, are overqualified for cleaning this hotel room. Like mm-hmm. for them to love it, they don't have this. They maybe don't speak English, or they weren't born here. Or they just don't have all the privilege mm-hmm. I have. Mm-hmm. But work is a good thing to me. But it's it's effort, right? If you want yeah. to, if you want to like your body or feel neutral toward your body, it requires effort. If you mm-hmm. want to have a great relationship with your partner, it requires effort. And I love the piece around questioning monogamy. That's effort. That's work because every damn person should question monogamy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you need to be ethically non-monogamous, but if you haven't questioned it, questioned it, do you really want it? Yeah, and that's what I felt like. I, but it wasn't just that; it was uh, so
0: many things in my life, you know, that I questioned.
1: So, how did you question monogamy? How did you come to terms with? What works for you, and you don't have to share what works for you. But what's the process? Yeah, I mean,
0: everything I wanted to share, like in detail about what we're doing, is in the book. So you got to buy
1: the book. So this is fucked at forty. <laughs> fucked at forty, yeah.
0: But it's not a book about open marriages either. You know, it's like that's in it, of course. But it's oh, we're near, well, I'm not an expert. We didn't go to any seminar. <laughs> you know, like and, you know, there's a lot of books and there's a lot of rules and whatever. But at the end of the day, we we did what's right for us, and that might not be right for everybody. So like, I suggest if people are interested in open. Marriage, and apparently a lot of people are, then they should buy their great books out there about that topic specifically. But for me, it was more about, it really was a combination of a few things. So I, I think about hormones a lot. I think that we don't think about it enough because you were talking about you know declined sex drive but what I realized was that actually I've been on hormones since the age of 17 I've been shoving the pill down my throat since the age of 17 and then when you become you know you try to get pregnant I was doing IUI I was shoving hormones down down my throat when I was doing fertility treatment and then after that you're hormonal because you've had a baby and you're breastfeeding and all that I've been
1: hormonal (laughs) for over 20 years and even if you're not taking birth Control, yeah. your hormones are fluctuating every month yeah, i did i did a training totally. for the we vibe and womanizer they're a sex toy brand and i did it on hormones throughout the ages and so as i'm doing the research and you talk about what a 28 day cycle looks like in terms of hormonal fluctuations Gizam right. peace that's wow. a Jamaican expression. <laughs> like, and then then you get pregnant, and that's hormones. Yeah. And then you're postpartum, yeah. and that's hormones. And then by the time you're done that, you're pretty much going into perimenopause, yeah. and that's hormones. So our entire lives are so highly affected, and because there isn't as much money and research on women's health, yes. and because even that becomes limited, a lot of stuff on college age women, or just white women, or just certain types of women, we do not know. Yeah just even 1% about how these fluctuations affect our lives and our moods. I, some, I was saying, <gasps> exactly. sometimes I wonder why I like on a Tuesday night what I don't like on a Saturday morning. I think for me, it's what's going on in my life, but it's also hormonal. Mm-hmm. Like certain days of my cycle, I feel differently and it's not always the same, mm-hmm. right? So what I like on day one is not the same as what I like on day 14. Right. And even two day 14s in a row in two separate cycles are not are the same. And yeah. I don't need to explain it to anyone. I just know this is what I'm feeling right now. And yeah. I'm lucky that I, I guess I grew up with permission to feel what I feel. That's great. Right? Not to express it. <laughs> <laughs> still Chinese, Jamaican, and Irish Catholic. Wow. What uh, a combo. So I had to learn. Mm-hmm. Like I had to learn and I'm still learning, right? I'm, I'm working on my own emotional literacy. Sure. Because it's so easy to see, to feel kind of sad, mad, glad. But what about all the other stuff, all the vulnerable stuff? And and I think that, you know, I look at people who are younger than us, and the range of emotions that they're capable of expressing freely, fe- I'm like, holy, how is a 17-year-old mm. saying, you know what? I feel a little bit vulnerable in this state. I know. And I'm My so- kids say stuff like that. I'm like, oh. Do you think it's Drake? Christ. Do you think it's because he said he's in his feelings? I don't know. <laughs> I don't
0: know what it is, but it is, it is so lovely that they're able to express things that we couldn't, you know, it's yeah. beautiful.
1: Yeah. So for, for younger folks, you said that you kind of had this revelation at age 42. For someone who's 22, what right. can they do right now?
0: I think you just said it. The questioning is something brilliant. Like I just think stopping for a minute and asking like, and you could ask that question, by the way, not just once. Like you said, just keep asking it. Is this what I want? Am I happy? Like, is this right for me? I don't like boxes. I don't like... Uh, like the norms of society also what is society it really does depend which culture you come from where you're living in the world one thing might be totally different in another part of the world so and how much money say, you have yeah and how much money you have so who really is to say what's right or wrong you know I was brought up to believe that marriage and have being a mom and kids that was the way to go you know maybe if I was born somewhere else that's not what it, maybe if I was a man that's not what I would be would have been told. But you know? across
1: the world, we are basically yeah. baby makers.
0: Yeah, exactly. So right. i I, quest, I i think I would suggest to people just to ask and uh, and see
1: what's right for them. I guess. Um. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and I have some questions to consider around monogamy. Mm-hmm. So when we think about you can be monogamous, you can be ethically non-monogamous, and you can be a whole area in between monogamish, mm-hmm. right? Not Dan Savage's monogamish, which is kind of a don't ask, don't tell policy. But it might be couples who, for example, are monogamous. And once a year, they go do something like go right. to a sex yeah. club or have an orgy or have a threesome or yeah. go to a strip club. So they're not... 100% monogamous and we also know that monogamy means different things to different people, totally. right? Yeah. I hate the shorthand of will you marry me. Well, okay, sure, I'll marry you. That means a party, but that is not the relationship. No. Like if you haven't asked hundreds of other questions, don't even think of will you marry me. Mm-hmm. In fact, I wonder if we could do away with proposals. I'm I'm so unromantic, right? And just be like, do we want to do this? <laughs> yeah. Do we want to spend the rest of our lives together and have we discussed money, kids, the role of family, how we spend our time, political values, religious values, personal values. And also remember that this, again, will and may change. And like I said,
0: going back to my personal relationship with Mike has been the fact that I I think I brought change into the relationship. But I was lucky that he was happy to change with me because when we married... We didn't ask these questions, mm-hmm. but we started a relationship and there was a premise, you know, and the premise was I was a stay-at-home mom. Nothing wrong with that, but that's that was the premise. I was a stay-at-home mom. Mike went to work every day. He wasn't really involved in the kids and stuff, you know, and then suddenly... Things changed. Well, you, do you do
1: you take flack for being away from your kids? Because I know that men absolutely don't. And yeah. people say this to me all the time. Uh, they say, if you have kids, everything's going to change. You're not going to be able to ke- keep up this career with the travel. And it's oftentimes men saying this to me or women who stay home with their kids. And I'm like, but your man, your partner, yeah. or you, I know. especially the man, you're traveling every week. You're it's gone Monday weird. to Thursday. But dear God, imagine I did it. Oh. So do you take flack? Yeah. It's so weird. You know, the first time when I started
0: like taking off, I well, I call it like I literally took time off for myself. And then after I started traveling a bit more and blah, blah, blah. um, You know, so Mike had to sort of come, you know, step forward. He did more. He was doing more. And the amount of times people would come up to him at the school playground and say, oh, wow, you know, wow, you're amazing. Like you're such a saint. And I was like... For six years I was there for every drop off and every pickup. Nobody ever came up to me and congratulated me for what an amazing job I was doing. No. Do you know nobody? And I just don't understand and you know what's sad also? Not sad. I don't know if what the word is, but a lot of the times actually it was women who did that who were saying that. And I don't know why, like where that comes from. If it comes from a place that maybe I don't know, maybe they would have liked their husbands to be more involved and actually that's what it is. Or patriarchy, uh, right? oh Yeah, like none, or, or yeah or exactly. None of that, us. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. Just being
1: a woman does not make you immune to it and so no. we are sexist just like people of color. Totally. Like these sexist, racist, these values are ingrained in all mm-hmm. of us and it's a lot to undo yeah. them, right? And I, I think, yeah, why do you get a cookie for looking after your own kids yeah. just because you've got a couple of balls between your legs? But I stopped apologizing. That's what changed. So, whereas at the beginning, when
0: if people would have said something like that to me, I would have just felt enormous mom guilt Mm -hmm. and felt the need to justify it and probably say something about my mental health to get the the pass. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I've been depressed or I've been feeling not well or I've been ill or, you know, sort of like make some sort of justification. I stopped doing that. You know, I just stopped apologizing. And that took people by, like, people would be shocked, you know? Have you learned to not care
1: about other people's judgment? Because this is where I need the lesson. Yes.
0: Uh, And you know what? Mike's helped me with that. Because Mike goes away every summer for two... We don't travel that much, but Mike goes away every summer for two weeks. He does the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. He's done it from day one when the kids were, like, tiny. And never once has he had a struggle with it. The kids have no problem with it. And when I go away, the kids are, like, crying, bawling their eyes out. But it's because they're reflecting me because I would struggle with the going away. So they pick up my vibe and they're like, oh, mommy, you're going, you're leaving. And they're like, I know, I'm leaving. It's awful, you know. He goes away. He's like, bye, I'll, I'll Skype you, you know, that type of thing. But Mike said to me, he's like, that's ridiculous. He doesn't get it, you know. So he has helped me a lot with perspective. I talk about that in the book and also in the show, whereas we both, we both forgot our daughter's birthday assembly at school (laughs) one time you know I'm not going to tell you the whole story but the the moral of the story was that I went I like walked out of that going wow we're like the worst parents in the world and Mike and we rushed back to the school we got there in time in the end and Mike walked out and said we're the best parents in the world because we dropped everything and showed up for the thing. And that moment changed everything for me in terms of mom guilt because I realized how it really was about perspective. I constantly highlighted the moments that I wasn't there and took the moments that I was there and that I was great just for
1: granted. Like they were just like obvious. Do you know what I mean? Right. So you really focus... I, I think that's a very... um strong message received by young women and women of all ages that we need to really focus on our deficits and eliminate them all to be perfect. And we don't highlight our strengths. We don't highlight yes. all the poor. From- and I, we're, we're and sp- men are the opposite. Well, and the research shows that. Men are the opposite. Yeah. A man, again, could fuck, could
0: fuck up. But still come out a champion. And by the way, I don't say this is like a judgmental thing. Mm -hmm. I think they are geniuses. I think it's brilliant that they're able to do that. People are, any person is able to do that. To go, do you know what? This didn't work out like I wanted. But actually,
1: in that moment, didn't I? Get that one right, wow! And focus on that. That's just brilliant, you know. So that's what I guess you'd call that positive or neutral filtering. Like in cognitive behavioral therapy, we talk about negative filtering. So you only see the negative, yeah, right, in the situation, especially when it comes to yourself, right? So if it, as it relates to your self worth, yeah. so we need to do that. Like every time you screw up, can you take a second and think about what you did well? Yes, right. Because exactly. I, you know, I'm re- I'm hard on myself, and I struggle with perfectionism, which is a terrible thing. It is not a good thing. Uh, I know. In interviews, people are like, oh, my my weakness is that I'm a perfectionist, and they think it's a good thing. Actually, it's not. It is such a struggle, and it's very difficult to overcome. Mine is very much rooted in wanting people to see me favorably, right? And that's something I have to work on. Uh, so it's so funny. I turned 40, and another sexologist, Luna Matadas, and I, she also turned 40. She's brilliant. Follow her, Luna Matadas. And we were talking about, oh, my God, when we turn 40, are we gonna stop people pleasing? And I'm like, okay, it's only been a couple of weeks for me, but I'm I really, I'm working on it. So one tip to leave us with, how do you stop focusing on pleasing others?
0: One word, and it's like the most annoying word because everybody's using it now and like it's become annoying, but it's, it's the truth. Authenticity, just be yourself. If you, honestly, you know who told me that? My eight year old. My eight year old told me that when I was stressed out really nervous about going on tour no idea if people are going to like my book and I put out a lot of content to the world some of it is a bit controversial and I get a lot of hate online and I and I sometimes I'm not sure of myself my daughter said to me mommy just be yourself and that is honestly the best advice I've ever had
1: yeah yeah, and that's, that's a hard thing to do, but people are loving you. I saw your show was <laughs> sold out last night. You've got an event in New York tonight. You're heading off to Chicago and L.A. Uh, folks can follow you online, Instagram, Tova Lee, yeah, and uh, check out your book, Fucked at 40, available everywhere from your local bookshop to Amazon and online. So thank you so, so much. Oh, no, thank you. Really great chatting with you. I think a lot of uh, really important insights for people, regardless of whether you're 40 or you're a mom or you're 20 and you're, you know, a young man, anything. Uh, wherever you're at I think these are really helpful insights so thank you for being here thank you to you for listening folks wherever you're at have a really wonderful week and we'll be back next Friday with a whole new episode
0: you're listening to the sex with dr. Jess podcast improve your sex life improve your life